excited to have some of our friends at Big Life with us. This has been been something that we've been talking about as a community for a few months now, um, that we are partnering with Big Life and, and seeing city coordinators and prayer leaders trained in some disciple-making tools and training, and we'll be talking more of that at the end of the hour. And so we'll have Benjamin Francis up here for the, the first half an hour of the training, and then we'll have Lee Wood with us as well with Big Life. And so we're so excited um, to hear the word that the Lord has put on their heart and excited to, to hear about the movements that, that God is sparking and catalyzing around the world um, as a result of, of obviously of prayer. And it's so beautiful to see this partnership between global prayer movements and, and global missions movements. Um, and this is our heart here at 10 Days. And so, Benjamin, I'm going to pass it over to you. Um, and then at about 1230 or so at the half an hour mark, we'll pass it over to Lee. And so we're excited to hear um, what the Lord's put on your heart for us today. Wow, what a what an honor to be here with all of you. Thank you so much for this wonderful opportunity. So good to see my brother Jonathan. We had a great time. We were in uh, I just came from a prayer meeting. We just had a hallelujah time. Actually in Calcutta City, they are praying all across. And then they in the evening, they just come together in smaller groups and they just come and we just worship, get on our knees, worship, just cry out to the Lord and it's, it's just been phenomenal in the last couple of days, just coming back from there. I just met a, the last few days of prayer. You know, the 20 years of us praying for a particular place, I have my brother Jason here to thank for. For many years, he and I have gone to one of the most difficult parts of Calcutta. It's called Kalighat. Now, Kalighat is a place where the entire city of Calcutta has been, it has been committed to that. That's why Calcutta was called Kalikata. It was dedicated to this goddess. You know, anything that happens in Calcutta happens in this place. You know, child is born, they bring it to this temple. Uh, uh, you get married, you come to this temple. You buy a car, you come to this temple. I mean, everything connects to this temple. And we just went on, kept on going and praying. And in the last, as we were preparing for this, you know, now we have an opportunity in this place, which is absolutely evil. If you walk into that place, you will feel the presence of evil. Now we have an opportunity of putting in two schools there with 120 families who want to be in us, uh, send their children, they're the children of the prostitutes. And now we've, they're going to have a place of worship and we're going to start praying right in the midst of all of this. And we are going to see Jesus lifted high. I mean, this is absolutely huge for us because we've been praying this for the last two decades and we get to see it now. So, you know, there's power. There's wonder-working power in prayer. But this is not, this is just my excitement coming from the prayer meeting. I'm sorry. I mean, just, but let me just take you to what God has been leading me. On November 22nd, in 1963, a man was shot dead on the streets of the United States. It took only two hours for the rest of the world to know about his death. His name was J.F. Kennedy, President J.F. Kennedy. 2,000 years ago, the Son of God, Jesus, was crucified outside the wall of Jerusalem. And yet half of the world is yet to hear about this good news. What a paradox. A few years ago, a few decades ago, when people were sending man to the moon, 
the whole world was looking at this and they were they, they were hearing and they were seeing a, some bits on television but basically using radio to listen and they used to keep on saying and the caption would come up even in newspapers one small step from these men is a mighty leap for mankind and yet the king of kings and the lord of lords and the creator of the universe left his throne and came down and half of the world is yet to know what a paradox you know the company coca cola sells over 800 to 900 million cups of coke and they've been they've been doing a campaign that by 2030 anybody who's anybody would have tasted coca cola therefore my question to my brothers and sisters today gathered here is is jesus living water less quenching than coca cola is jesus living water less quenching than coca cola a thousand times no and yet half of the world is yet to hear about the gospel of jesus christ therefore i ask the question why is this because we who are his children called by his name washed by his blood and saved by his grace have not preached the gospel with passion and urgency when jesus actually called us you see five times in the gospel we see jesus is saying telling us matthew chapter 28 18 to 19 giving us a map ahead saying that the gospel need to be preached to all nations the gospel need to be preached to all creature and it says in mark chapter 16 15 luke chapter 24 47 john chapter 26 21 and acts chapter 18 we see jesus giving us that mandate and saying go into all the world and preach the gospel therefore i just want to therefore i just want to ask this is a problem what is the gospel that we are supposed to preach the gospel that we have because he knew this that to remove the darkness of sin there is no other way to remove the darkness of sin to to change the deputation of sin to heal the disease of sin and to abolish the death of sin is when we take the gospel which is the power of god unto salvation I just want to draw your attention to one of the most taught scripture in the church today. It is one of the most taught, memorized scriptures, and yet the most a scripture that has not been obeyed. And therefore, I want to take you and all of us know Mark chapter, Matthew chapter twenty-eight, where we read, "All power is given unto me." what i want to share with you today is the three p's that is in this scripture all power is given unto me in heaven and in earth and therefore you go you know jesus even before sending us i've seen in this the more i look at it the more i look at it the more i get excited because you know in the in the great commission we think oh wow great commission such a big thing to do but when i properly looked at the great commission i said oh my goodness there's something so small that i need to do and the two biggest things of the great commission god has already done look look at this all power is given unto me in heaven and in earth that means therefore go before even going jesus is promising provision 
He's saying all provision, all authority that you may ever need to complete the great commission in your generation has been given to me. And therefore I give to you and therefore you go. And then, you know, we know this part, go into all the world uh, and all the nation, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son and the Holy Spirit. We know this part. You know this part of it, but you know, this is the only P, which is our P, which is the purpose. We have the provision and therefore God has called us to go and fulfill the purpose. The purpose that we are alive today in Jesus Christ is to take that good news. That's why somebody in, in, in our India, we say that, you know, what is the gospel? It's a beggar telling another beggar where to find food, where to find bread. That's the simplicity of the gospel. I was dying and now I'm alive because I ate the bread of life. That is Jesus. Therefore, I want to tell you. And he said, there is a purpose. Purpose, go. Because go is not a destination. It's a journey. For all of us who have preached the gospel before. And for some reason, some reason, we have stopped somewhere. Some reason we thought we are satisfied, we've done enough. But I just want to tell you the goal that God is calling us to is not a destination. It is a journey for you and me. And then he says, you go and we preach the gospel. And then we see it was 20 teaching them. And that's where discipleship is moved in. Jesus is saying, not only you go, you don't make believers, you make disciples. And that's what Jesus said, did. He never planted a church, big life. Well, we are here for the over 20 years. Uh, the first things we did was we, we were afraid of going at that time. And we started going. We started going to the first village. It was in November, November 27th in 2003. I know Brother Jason was here with me many years ago. We started our first village. First village we ever went to with the gospel. I was shivering in my pants. Because I was a banker, I was never, I, I, was not, I was not a preacher, I was not a pastor, I was not an evangelist, I was none of that. I just wanted to obey this. I just saw this, I said, okay, God has the provision, I have a purpose, let's go. And we go, and then I had the snake and the monkey show. You know, in India, we had the snake and the monkey show. My snake and the monkey show was Brother Jason. Brother Jason, some of my friends, we took them around in the village, everybody saw them, and they came. When they came, we moved them, and we started sharing the gospel, playing football, and stuff like that. And this is happening in our first village. And what I'm trying to share with you and what I'm trying to relive is something so simple. We were in this village and what happened was as we were doing sports, people came out. We were just asking a little question, just like John chapter four. John chapter four, Jesus was not in the most spiritual place. He was near the well. You know, when the ladies are, the men will go also. This was one time, you know, well was a very common place. Maybe a place that was a dating app in those days. If the women are going for the water, men will go. There were people, there were so many things that happened around the well. Jesus didn't go to a spiritual place. He didn't ask the most spiritual question. He just asked, would you give me to drink? And that's what we asked. We went with the sports and all of that stuff. It was getting late. So we asked, hey, would you stay back if we showed you a phone? They said, okay. We put up, we forgot to bring the screen in a hurry. So we took a bed sheet. Took a bed sheet, we put it up on the bamboos, and we started in a cranking projector, started showing the Jesus firm. We started showing the Jesus firm. I was the most dis I was the most distressed or maybe disturbed person in that crowd. Everybody was enjoying. I was thinking how to preach this three-point message because I came from a church where they were speaking three Ps or five A's and all that stuff. And I'm thinking, oh my goodness, 
how do I bridge these five point messages? And I was just walking up and down, and then my chance came. I got up. I got. I got up on that, and everybody looking at me with one bulk. There's like hundreds of people looking, looking at that, and saying. Suddenly, you know, it came to my mind: these people are not Christians. This, this is not a church. I said, then, if they don't like what you say, they may, they may let you know that. That means throw stones or beat you up or do something. I froze. I was looking at them. They are looking at me. I'm looking at them. They are looking. In five minutes, they are, we are looking. And then, you know, your mind is saying, Dan, speak up, speak up, speak up. And your mouth is saying, who are you talking to me? Like that kind of a situation. Ultimately, I looked back and I saw the picture of Jesus, you know, at the end of the movie. And all my message was, how many of you want to be a friend of this Jesus? That's all I said that day. That's all I said. And I preached that message many times. How many of you want to be a friend of this Jesus? And 30 people lifted up their hands. I got a little more confident and I said, hey, how many of you want to open your homes so that we can come and tell you more stories about Jesus? Jesus. Simple. Because that's what I heard in the Great Commission. I have the provision. You have a purpose. Just go there. We went and two people said, oh, we will open a home. This was a Friday. We started on a Monday. And what happened after that is what I wanted to share with you. That's how gospel multiplies in the most simple ways. The first day I went, I was shivering. I didn't know what to do. So I thought, you know, have you ever been in a situation you have a Bible, but you know the story, but you can't turn to it. You are just fumbling with it. I was in a position, can't get to that story. I was wanting to share the lost son. So I went ahead and share the lost son. Can't get to the Bible. And then I said, okay, let me keep the Bible aside. I just share the story. I shared the story. After the story, one of the guys asked me, which rocked my world. And maybe us who are Christians for a long time, we have become experts at this. We go to church, hear a good message. And by the time we leave the door, we take it from one ear and take it out from the other. This guy asked me, what should I do about this? My goodness, I was shaken. I said, what? I have gone so many years to church and never asked this question. He says, good story, what do I do? To just get rid of him, I told him, can you go and share with your friends? Out of 30 people, I want to remind you, only eight people turned up on that Monday. The next week, 25 people turned up. They said, I don't know what you told them. They told, they told us, why don't you tell us what you told him? I said, all right, let's, let's share this again. So we shared the same story again, prodigal son. Third week, then they asked me, what should I do? Now I'm a little more confident. I said, why don't you tell your friends and family? Third week, 60 people turned up. They said, I don't know what you told them. They told us, why don't you tell us what you told them? All right, what do I do? I shared the story again. If I was a pastor in a church, they would have kicked me out. Really. Three Sundays, same message. They said, this guy knows nothing. Only one story. So I was going with the same story. And then what happened on the third week? I said, you know, there is something that I learned that day. And that's what I wanted to share about the gospel. That God, the gospel changed me. What happened was, the third week I was there, I said, how many of you want to be want to have Jesus as your savior. No more a friend who will have him as a savior. Actually, they might have been ready. I was not ready. I was fumbling. They were not. On the third week, four people said, we want Jesus as our savior. I took them aside, spoke to them and said, now you have a story. 
Why don't you tell others? This is the first week we are saying we receive Jesus. You know what happened on the fourth week? That is the last week of 2003. Last, last Monday of 2003. They said, we have something to tell you. I said, what? He said, you know what we did? Then they told me that they were doing verse 20 of Matthew chapter 28. They said, what we have learned, we have passed it out. I have gone to my friend's house and there is in, in that village, we are hearing this story, the lost son. I've gone to my auntie's house and in that village, we are hearing this story. So tell us more. So by the fourth week, we were already in four, four villages. I was in one and these guys had already gone to three villages. That was four. And we were sharing the prodigal son. God told me, Ben, you've got to change your stories. Don't teach the same one. Come on, teach them more. And then what happened? I started telling them the story. They started telling others. And that's what the verse 20 says. Teaching them to observe all things. That means teach them in discipleship. When you talk about observe, you know, observe is not only seeing carefully. Observe is not only seeing, but also doing. Observe is an amalgamation of doing and seeing. And that's what God is challenging us to do. That's our purpose. Going to them, teaching discipleship, working. And you know when I started the discipleship, Brother Jonathan? It's in my house. We had a, we had a small living room and I started with two guys. One electrician, one farmer. And slowly God started, God started taking the gospel. And just last year, December, we had finished with over 35,000 groups. And now Big Life started from a village is now in 147 countries. What am I trying to tell you? Jesus said, all power is given unto me. When he said all power is given unto me, he is not joking. My brothers and sisters, when Jesus said all power is given unto me, he meant all supplying power. I remember John Hirima telling me well, many years ago, he said, Ben, we want, to, we want you to come and we want you to do this. As Big Life, we are going to do this. All of us were volunteers. Jason was there, myself, we were all then, we were all volunteers. I just come out. He said, we don't have the money. I said, John, we don't know what's going to happen, but let's go and fulfill the Great Commission. And then what happened? You know, at that time, I was getting married to this wonderful girl. As it is, you can see my face. It's for difficult for a girl to really like me. After all of that, I actually, you know, quoted a girl and Jillian actually decided. And then I go to Jillian and I'm telling her, you know, I'm going to leave my job. And I'm going to join this and I'm going to do this. I don't know where my paycheck is going to come from. And we're going to get married in three months. She said, all, my, all I want you to do, Ben, is to shut up. Don't tell anybody because her family already did not like me. They were a Catholic family. She was the only born again believer. So she doesn't, they don't like me. Now they know I don't have a job. She said, don't tell them. And now I want to tell you something which you should remember. Philippians 4.19 he said, my God shall supply all our needs according to his riches and glory. After 20 years of being in this movement of making disciples, in a disciple-making movement, I'm having over 35,000 groups and thousands and thousands of leaders. I stand here to tell you, my God shall supply all our needs according to his riches and glory. Hallelujah. That's what the gospel does. Because when Jesus said, all power is given unto me, he meant all supplying power that you and I may ever need. Do you know some time ago, you know, people were asking in the Time magazine, what, what, or how many words, how, what kind of money was spent in fighting wars in this world? 
Then they asked the question, how many wars were there in this world from the beginning of 5,000 years of human recorded history? The Norwegian computer had the answer, 14,531. That means there was 2.6 wars every year of human history. Somebody asked, how, may, how much did it cost? The Norwegian co computer answered again, answered and said, okay, if this is the aggregate cost of the war. 54 BC, they had estimated that the cost of killing one enemy soldier was 75 cents. In Napoleon's time, it costed $1,000 to kill one enemy soldier. In the First World War, it costed $21,000 to kill one enemy soldier. In the Second World War, it costed $200,000 to kill one enemy soldier. That was the aggregate cost. I was not believing these are startling figures. When you go back to history, in the height of 1968-69, where America was fighting a war in Vietnam, they were spending 80 to 100 million dollars a day. And that told me how much people are ready. The world is eager to spend millions and billions of dollars to kill people. When, a man, when the word of God is saying, what shall it profit a man to win the whole world and lose his soul? What is the church of Jesus Christ, you and me, who are washed by the blood, who are called with his calling, who have a full callings upon their life, called from above, called from below, called from within, called from outside? What are we willing to do to save life? That's the question that we need to ask today. Even as I go forward, we see in when Jesus is saying all power is given unto me, he is talking about all sustaining power that you and I may ever need. You and I may ever need to fulfill the great commission in our generation. Hebrews chapter 2.18 says, for, he, for in that he himself suffered being tempted, he is able to succor them who are tempted. And the trial, First Peter 1.7 says, the trial of your faith being much more precious than gold. That the trials that you're facing in, in preaching the gospel. I've had people in our parts of South Asia in prison for 13 years, people dying, people are just, just had a girl Three weeks back, a young girl of 24 years old in one of our areas coming from preaching the gospel was raped four to five times, cut so badly all over her body. They are feeding her with pipes right now. Even now they're feeding her with pipes. We asked her, what is she going to do once she comes out? She's going to, she's going to tell somebody about Jesus. With all that we have. There are people, if I, we had, you know, one of my first women leaders was a, was a prostitute. I, I had just started with some of our everyday people, you know, the kinds of people who came into this movement. We had farmers, electricians, fish sellers, vegetable vendors, snake catchers. We used to have guys who used to catch snake for a living. Later on, he came to know Jesus, what he used to do when people, then he used to share about Jesus, he would put a snake on people and say, do you know how many, where you'll go when you die? He used to say, you know, when I put snake on somebody, they, they receive Jesus like that. 
Of course, that's a part of the joke. Like, you know, he said, okay, okay, we're not going to do that. But, you know, I had people like that, everyday people. But we never had a lady. There was this prostitute I came to know. And she was standing in a line for some customers. And as she was standing, someone was giving out tracts from one of our villages, just sharing the gospel. And he wore what was in that tract was, he said, you cannot outrun, you cannot outrun the love of God. She couldn't understand because she cannot read or write. So what happened? She asked a colleague to read. She read. She said, read again. She read. She said, read again. She read. She said, read again. About four times. After reading it four times, she was, tears were coming down. She said, I'm going. She said, where? I'm going back home. I want to find this Jesus. She took the track and held it next to her chest. And she walked back home. As she walked back home, she was crying. She said, I don't know who you are, but I want to experience this love. And, you know, we, in our original days until now, we used to meet under a tree. We used to meet under a tree. You know, that's what discipleship does. Wherever you get, wherever disciples meet, that's church. That's the temple of God under a tree, at the portico, in homes, in the marketplace, wherever they could. She found out that under a tree, some people were singing about Jesus. And she went and met them. She found these people. After finding Jesus, she went back home and she was not going to work as a prostitute. Then she was starting to be beaten up by her husband. Her husband actually put her into prostitution because he didn't want to work. He wanted to put her there so that, so that he didn't have to work. He can eat out of her early. He should drink every day and come and beat her up. He said, who is this Jesus that is making you change your mind? He kept on doing that. She said, I'm not going to leave this Jesus. I've experienced his love. He's died for me. He said, I don't know about this. If you don't go to work by the end of this week, I will strip you off your clothes and I will paint your face black. I will strip, I will, I will make you bald and make you a public disgrace in the village. She started praying. She asked other ladies to pray in the fellowship. He was going to do that on a Saturday. Friday morning, just one day before he was about to do all of this, Friday morning he gets up and he tells her, hey, who's this Jesus? She said, no, what happened? What happened? He said, no, no, tell me who's this Jesus? What happened? He says, tell me who this Jesus is. He said, what happened? He said, I had a dream from Jesus and Jesus said, how long will I wait for you? Come on to me. He went and found Jesus under a tree because the gospel was being preached. He found Jesus, both of them husband and wife got baptized and then he fell at his wife's feet, touched her feet and said, forgive me. Forgive me. Now you go and share about Jesus and I will take you in a cycle rickshaw. He started taking her in a cycle rickshaw from village to village. I only got to know this lady after she had already visited 25 villages, telling everybody what Jesus had done for her. She cannot read or write. She could only hear the gospel and whatever she heard she used to go and say and we were starting to see new people come to Jesus it doesn't matter from where we are it doesn't matter what we know it is it does matter what Jesus said he said all power is given unto me therefore you go because all provision is yours and that's why you can fulfill the purpose and let me tell you the third key when you go he said I have commanded you and lo I am with you always even unto the end of the world. And, you know, I was taking out the Greek word. It says the completion, the completion of the journey. That means the whole journey and the whole journey, I am with you. 
I am going to be with you. This is the promise of God. So we have a provision, we have the purpose, and then we have the promise. The promise, because the two biggest thing, the provision and the promise is already done by Jesus. All you and I are called to in, in fulfilling the Great Commission is the purpose. The purpose that God has called us to. What is our purpose today? And I'm so glad that we have put this topic here, taking the gospel to the nations. As we pray, God will open the doors. And we've been, we, 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 we've been singing in our, in, 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 our, in our service, in our services every evening. And we're singing, we're singing this part. I stand in awe of you, not by might, not by power, by your spirit, Lord. Send your spirit, Lord. It's not by might. I came as a novice into this gospel. And over the years, I have been screaming village after village, country after country. And I see the spirit of God going out and telling me, Ben, you don't need to understand. Just get on there and stand. Because I'm going to show you the provision of God. Because when I said all power is given unto me, I meant all supplying power. I meant all sustaining power. And then when Jesus said all power is given unto me, he meant all saving power that we may ever need to fulfill the great commission in our generation. We see that that God, when you see Psalms chapter 46 is one, it says, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. A very present help in trouble. Be bold, be strong, Isaiah says. Be not be dismayed. Fear not, for I am with thee. Be not dismayed. For I, the God, will strengthen thee. I will help thee. Yes, I will uphold thee. Look at his promise. And when I see my people, I tell them, if you see me alive, that means your prayers are working. If not for his promise, I would be a dead man long time ago. He said, all provision and promise given unto me. Therefore, you should go. Therefore, you should go. I'll just end with this story. This is an amazing story. It happened, it happened with the Koreans. And I heard this and really, as I was, as, as I was starting this movement, I was, in, I, I was in Korea at one time and to talk about what God was doing in India and different parts of Asia. And they told me a story. He said, you know, during, during the Japanese occupation of Korea, they were, they were changing the names. They, they, they had Korea under them for 35 years. They were changing Korean history. They were changing Korean names. Because one, one day they sent a little army into this village. And this army came and they saw a church, a little church in this village. And at that, in that village, he said, we need to close this church because the Jap Japanese regime do not want any gods to be worshipped in Korea. So they put a lock on that church. And as, uh, as Sunday came, Sunday morning, this was happening on Saturday. Sunday morning, you know, the Korean people were coming, walking from a long way. They came 
they came to worship. The pastor saw them. He couldn't, he couldn't, you know, tell them no. So he broke the lock and got into the church. And they started singing as they were, as they were worshiping the Lord. And as they were singing, the Japanese soldiers came and they closed the door. And then they start pouring kerosene from all sides. And they put the church on fire. They thought if people try to run out of the church, they're going to shoot them. But nobody left the church. It was hot. They were, it was becoming hot to breathe with the smoke. And just before, and just before the roof came down, the church started singing this amazing hymn. And they started singing. But drops of grief cannot repay the debt of love I owe here, Lord. I give myself, it is all that I can give at the cross, at the cross where I first found the light. I cut the story short. The fire took on the church. Everybody died. Nobody was there. The Japanese went back. Korea got his freedom in 48. I think it was Viva 15th August, Viva 16th August. And they got their freedom. And in 1960s, some Japanese pastors came. And as they were touring around, they heard about this church. So they came. When they came, there was a monument there. And they, and they, and they found on the monument inscribed all the names of people who died that day. They felt ashamed. They knelt down in front of that monument and they started crying. And they wept. They asked forgiveness and they said, we are going to go back. They raised money. They came back to build a small church there. And on the opening of the church, a Korean de delegation was called of the people whose families had died. And the Japanese pastors and their delegation came. And the service started. In the middle of the service, they started singing this great hymn of the church. At the cross, at the cross, where I first saw the light. And the burden of my heart ro rolled away. And the Korean people stood up. The Japanese people stood up. And they just came to the aisles and started embracing each other. And started weeping and praising God. What am I saying? Kingdoms have come and gone. Governments have come and gone. Emperors have come and gone. But the gospel, the power of the gospel still goes on. Hallelujah. The people are still worshipping. The people are still being saved. I am seeing that every day. Just last year, in between of all of this, we have seen over 700,000 people in South Asia who have heard the gospel. And what can I tell you? Jesus said, all power has been given unto me. Therefore you go. He's already given provision. He's already given promise. All he is asking you and me, his children, to fulfill the purpose of fulfilling the great commission in our generation. Mm -hmm.